Okay, so yesterday was Veterans Day, and, you know, I, I did have, I, I do like things like today standing up and, and, you know, we get to say Veterans Day, yeah, Army, and those other little branches of the military that, you know, <laughs> but, but, you know, I, and a lot of you know this, I'm a little bit uncomfortable with Veterans Day, you know, I philosoph- philosophically and completely in front of, and char- uh, I endorse it. You know, I, but I, I personally kind of like to avoid it because, you know, I spent three years in a supply room in Colorado. <laughs> that was my military service. I don't think I'm the person the day is intended to honor. And people always come up and say, yeah, but you, and yeah, I, I understand all that. But I feel like I am being honored by association, right? Other people have done things that we say, wow, yes, we need to honor those people. And because I was in the military, I get honored with them for what they have done, and I'm kind of like the little tag-along, and it, I, it just, you know, I don't feel like I'm the guy. Uh, I don't like that. But what is worse than being honored by association? Being guilty by association, yeah. Uh, it's, I don't like being guilty by association, and you know who else doesn't like being guilty by association? God. I, I looked at this passage, and, and I tell you, I honestly, as I'm looking through this, you may say, how long is he going to be in chapter 2 of, of Romans? And, and I'm thinking the same thing, and I keep trying to pack, pick a longer passage. But, but I got as far as verse, um, what is my verse I got as far of? Uh, verse 24, for the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. And I, I, I thought, I can't go beyond that. I can't make that a middle point of something. That has to be the end, because that's a powerful statement. It ends with that. It is about people who claim the name of God but live in ungodly ways, and by their actions and because of their association with God by their words and maybe by some actions, but by their association with God, they're dragging God's name with them through the mud, and it's a shameful thing. Today's message, three, three parts. First, it identifies the audience as those who have the law. Then it questions whether those who have the law keep the law. Then it ends with that, that accusation, you are making the name of God look bad. And, and he doesn't like it. So uh, let's look at this, verses 17 through 20. Uh, those who have the law. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely upon the law, and boast in God, and know his will, and distinguish the things that matter, being instructed from the law, and are confident that you you yourself are a guide to people who are blind, a light to those in darkness, a corrector of the foolish, a teacher of the immature, a possessing in knowledge and the embodiment and knowledge of the truth, dash. (laughs) You know, if you are this guy, and then he's going to say, but... You know, and he's going to flip the other side of it. But if we start out, he says, if you call yourself a Jew, and we all breathe a sigh of relief, except for poor Jeff over here, <laughs> our Jewish believer, <laughs> our resident Jewish believer. And we can all sit back and watch because this sermon's being preached to him. Because it ain't me, man. I'm a Gentile. I get to slide. Uh, but as we look at the description of the Jews, we'll find that we don't get to slide because most of us pretty well fit that description of what he identifies here as the Gentiles, but we find that it describes us, and he's speaking to us too. We got to run away. <laughs> he's, speaking, he's speaking to us too. He's speaking to all of us. Well, let's look at the description and see what we can figure out. First, I want to talk about how 
Romans is an interesting book in how it addresses Jews and Gentiles. It's kind of unique because sometimes it specifically addresses Jews, like he does here. But if you, you call yourself a Jew, and he goes on and he's talking to Jews. He's not, at that point, he says, I'm not talking to you Gentiles. I'm talking to you Jews because of what he's about to say. Uh, sometimes he specifically addresses Gentiles, and sometimes he seems to be talking in, a, in an overall matter to everybody. And so we, we kind of want to make the distinction of that or, or follow that, follow, understand what's going on. Uh, and, and so I want to look at what is going on here. First of all, as we understand the Gentiles here in Romans, they are all first-generation Christians. They were not raised in Christian homes. They did not have Christian training. They didn't grow up in the church because there was no such thing. Right? Maybe there were a few, because by this time, it's probably about 60 AD. So you know, Christianity's been around for 30 years. But understand, they're a long way away geographically. And so there are maybe a few who have been Christians for, by this time for 25 or 30 years. You know, maybe there's a few who've been raised in Christian homes. But, but you know, 95% of them, most of these people are new Christians, new believers, without any kind of history or background of Christianity. Uh, and so they are new, they're first-generation followers of God. And they have been called, these are people who have been called out of a world of paganism. They were raised in pagan homes. They were raised with idols. They were raised with all sorts of superstition and, and, and voodoo and, and all, you know, all the, I say voodoo, I'm not saying, you know, actual voodoo, but, you know, the hocus pocus, all that stuff out there that, that paganism entails. And they do not know much, and there is not much expected of them because they don't know much right? That is, that is the Gentiles of the church in Rome. The Jews in the church of Rome, however, uh, they, are, they may also be first-generation Christians, but they have a rich tradition of biblical training, of tradition, of heritage, and of culture, and they have a wealth of knowledge about God, and so they are expected to live up to that wealth of knowledge. Well, once we see what Judaism as it's described there means, we start recognizing Oh, well, that may be the description that only applied to them then, but wow, that description applies to me. I grew up in a Christian culture. I grew up with Christian tradition. I grew up with Christian training. I grew up with all this heritage that applied to the Jews then. It applies to me now. So even though it specifically addresses the Jews now, it very much specifically addresses us as well because we fit the description. To, today, we fit the description that uh, described the Jew back then. Uh, so we are expected these things. You know, we were taught things like read your Bible and pray. We, we fit that gener generation. Now, if you were not raised this way, you, you grew up in a home that, that was not Christian, but have been walking with Christ for a while, you know, 10 or 15, or 20, or more years, uh, you have had the opportunity to gain the knowledge and experience. You still fit this description. Now, if you got saved last week, congratulations. You get to watch me talk about everybody else in church today. <laughs> Hopefully, you will learn something that will help protect you from errors may, that, that people make along the way. Uh, but but uh, So wrap your head around it and, and pay attention, because this stuff matters. Listen in anyway. We want you to become a good version of a Christian. We don't want you to become a negative message for Jesus Christ. Okay. So having made all that clear, that this passage does apply to us, let's see what it says. So verses 10, 17 to 20, second half of verse 17, 
says, after he says, call yourself a Jew, he says, and rely upon the law and boast in God and know his will and distinguish the things that matter, being instructed from the law, and are confident that you, are a, you yourself are a guide to people who are blind, a light to those in darkness, a corrector of the foolish, a teacher of the immature, possessing the law, the embodiment of knowledge and the truth, a whole bunch of things. He says, because you have all this stuff, uh, you are a keeper of the truth. And you know you are a keeper of the truth. You have, you have this, this identity of yourself as one of the people on the in with God. You are one of, you are one of that group. You, if, if someone says, you know, if, if they're dividing the, the world into two kinds of people, you know you're this kind of people. You, you know that about yourself. It's true. And, and first of all, I want to replace the law with the word Bible or truth because, you know, we get confused when we start talking about the law. But, but so you have the law, meaning you have the Bible, you have the truth. Yes, I am a person of God. I have the Bible. I have the truth. I get to stand on that. Uh, so you have the law. You boast in God. You boast in God. I'm not saying you walk around bragging. Ha ha, my God can take your God. You know, let's get him up for an arm wrestle and see who wins. Uh, something like that. But we know, we know, we have absolute confidence. We have the one true God. We, we, he, he is boast worthy. You know, if we were to compete, have competing gods in a competition somewhere, God is boastworthy. He is worth bragging about. He is, he is that good. He is not a false God. He is not a false belief held by others. And if someone comes in and starts talking about their God, we can confidently sit back and wait for our turn to talk. And when we talk, we don't say necessarily, well, my God is bigger than that. <laughs> but we say, but did you know Jesus Christ died to save you? And it doesn't, it's not boasting, but you know, it's a kind of confidence that, that says, I'm not worried about what you say. You know, oh no, but you have to do this to please the spirits. No, you know what? I have Jesus Christ and he is my savior. No, no, you have to do this or God will be angry at you. You know what? Jesus Christ died for me and is interceding for me at the right hand of God. I don't, I don't have to be afraid of those things. And, 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 and you answer every question with, but Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. And everything that's supposed to cause you fear, you don't have to have that fear. We have Jesus Christ. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. The only one, heaven and earth. If you read that passage, that is such a powerful passage of scripture. John is there and he's crying because no one was found worthy to open the seal. And they said, stop crying. Behold, the lion of Judah. And he turns around to see the lion of Judah and there is the lamb who was slain. And all heaven was weeping and wailing because there was no hope, because no one was worthy, heaven or on earth, and worthy was the Lamb who, we have that God, right? We have Him. We have Him. He is the only one to have ever, I mean, I don't care what other religions are out there, none of them have anything like Jesus Christ, who, who is the only, they don't pretend to have someone who died for our sins. They don't have, pretend to have someone who paid that price. Uh, they, 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 he is the only one who did. He is boastworthy. We know this. We walk around with the confidence of this. If we're not careful. It's the arrogance of this. And it, it, I don't, it's like, if you're going to be arrogant, be arrogant about God. It's like, that's a really good mistake to make. If you can call it a mistake, I don't know. You know, let's move on from, from just that. You know, he says, you, you rely upon the law. You boast in God. When you pray, you get to speak to the God of the universe. We were looking, uh, Saturday, Friday night we had our pastors get together, and, and uh, my friend Rick, 
He said, have you seen the preamble to the Constitution of Washington State? No. And it starts out with, I don't remember the whole thing, but it starts out, it, it includes the phrase, uh, in deference or honor to the one su great supreme being. It's like, I'm going, yeah, you have to read it. It floors you. You go, wow, that's good. And so Randy Anderson, who lives in Idaho, says, well, let's see what the Idaho says. And Idaho says something like, to the one high God. And so then we got in a, you know, a little uh, spitting contest. I think, I think supreme being is better than one high God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we get to pray to the God of the universe, the one supreme being of the universe. Uh, we get to pray to him. Do you, we don't have to go through anybody. We don't have to go to some smaller God. We don't have to go to some being that might be able to help us. We get to go to the one supreme being of the creator of the universe. This is a truth. You fit this description. You're one of his. You are a keeper of the truth. You rely upon the law and you boast in God. You, 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 you do. I'm not saying you walk around boastful, but you understand what I'm saying. You have this God and you know it. And then we go on to verse 18. He says, and know his will and distinguish the things. That, let's just stop with and know his will. You know his word, right? You read the Bible. You see what it says. You hear what it says. You come to church. You get it. You, you, you read it on your own. You get it. You turn on the radio and it's Christian music and you get it. Or it's Christian preaching and you get it. And you, you, you'll get your po I, podcasts <laughs> uh, and, and, and all those things, right? You know it. You know his will. You may not know all the specific details of your life. Like you may not know, ladies, I'm sorry, young ladies. You may not know who it is you're supposed to marry. You say, but that's the thing I really want to know. <laughs> I want to know God's will. Guys may be saying, I want to know my career. And God usually doesn't reveal those things. But you know the big issues. You know how he wants you to live. You know what kind of character he wants you to have. You know the, the, the character issues, the things that please him, and, and, and the things that don't. You know those things. You know he is righteous. He wants you to be righteous. You know he wants people saved. You're, you're, you're to, to help people get saved. You know those things. And, and you distinguish the things that matter. You, you've done Bible study. You know, you go to Bible study and you sit and you talk about things. And you don't just talk about things, but sometimes you get into things. You know, some Bible studies, you sit there and, and, and you, you read the question, you answer the question, you move on, and the, the Bible study is completed because you've done all the questions and, and, and answered them. And then some Bible studies, you say, now, wait a minute, and you start talking about them. Right? You've done that where you've got in and you've chewed on it and you've, you've worked it over and you've looked for, for the meaning and the application and all those things. You, you've, you've done these things. You distinguish the things that matter. You've struggled through some of those tough discussions. You've been instructed in these things. And, and so when he says you are a guide to the, to the blind and a light to the lost, you know, maybe you've even taught Bible study. Right? Maybe you've, you've, you've uh, helped out in the back. Maybe you've, you know, you've done any, all sorts of things. You support missions. You post good things on Facebook, <laughs> right? You are, you are a light to the blind, a guide to the blind, and a light to the lost. You're the one, verse 20, get, get down to verse 20, a corrector of the foolish, a teacher of the immature, possessing in the law the embodiment and the knowledge of the truth. You are all these things. You are the one who can teach and correct the errors that people are making, and, 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 uh, Sometimes those people need to hear what you have to say because they're out there, they're making their, their mistakes. Sometimes they're just outright heretics and sometimes they're just you know, wandering sheep. 
And, and you're the one who has, fits all these descriptions. And this is the description of people who are fully trained and prepared to make an impact on the world. But that impact can go south really fast if your behavior is bad. It doesn't matter what your qualifications are. It doesn't matter what your abilities are. It doesn't matter what your training is if your behavior goes bad. In fact, I shouldn't say it doesn't matter because it does matter. It makes things worse. When someone who, when, when the, someone in the world does, you know, it's, it's like um, if, I, if I'm reading a book, if I'm reading Tom Clancy, I, he hasn't written a book, he's been dead for 20 years, but <laughs> if I'm reading Tom Clancy, and he has some foul language in there. By the way, if you want to read Tom Clancy without foul language, I've got them all blocked out. <laughs> so I can read them again without uh, conscience. But, but uh, it doesn't bother me nearly so much to see a sinner swear as it does to hear a Christian swear, right? It's like, it's like th there's an entirely different standard of judgment, and I think there should be. And I think, I think the world, and when I say that, you say, well, Steve, you're the pastor. Maybe you shouldn't be so hard on people or something like that. But the world does that too. I can absolutely guarantee you I did. As a high school at Joel E. Ferris High School, I mean, a student at Joel E. Ferris High School, one of 2,000, right? A little bit different from going to school in Davenport or Christian Heritage, right? One of 2,000. I learned that there were these people called Christians. And I watched them. And I learned that there are Christians, and there are Christians. And the one I admired, and the other I despised. But being not saved and finding it really convenient, I wrote off Christianity as a whole because of the ones I despised. Those who took the name. Not even at Ferris, but later on, I'm a student at uh, Spokane Falls Community College. For anyone who wants to know, I have a radio broadcasting degree. <laughs> I actually worked on radio for a little while, and I got a degree in that. And there was a guy in the class, he finds out I'm a Christian, he tells me, well, I'm a Christian too, and he starts talking about these things. And there are two things I know of. Well, I, 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 funny, it's, it's really interesting, I still remember his name. And because uh, a lot of guys, I, I'm going, oh, man, what was his name? But this guy's name just pops up right there. I'm not going to share it. I think he was actually a Reardon guy. <laughs> but uh, he, he, he was noted for two things, speaking out boldly about Jesus and selling marijuana. <laughs> and I think this is the number of people on campus who respected him, right? Everybody knew him. He was, an out, he was one of those bigger-than-life kind of guys, but nobody respected him. Nobody listened to what he said. No one paid attention to what he said. Do your actions make your claims alive? Verse 21 through 24. You, therefore, who teach someone else, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that one is not to steal, do you steal? You who say that one is not to commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who loathe idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law through your breaking the law, do you dishonor God? He, says, he starts out by saying, do you listen to your own words? Do you pay attention to the things that are coming out of your own mouth? These things that you're trying to tell to other people, is anybody supposed to listen to you? I picture someone who is really good at following the rules of righteousness and based on those qualifies himself as good but lacks the basic uh, 
understanding of Christian character. And so this is like a Pharisee in the worst way. The the guy who has got, based on his standard, self-imposed standard of righteousness, he can judge himself right and everybody else wrong, but in the meantime, his character is bad. He's mean. He's, I can think of a lot of things. <laughs> some specifics he, he gives, though. He gives us some specifics here. I don't think that's a, an exhaustive list, but it's enough to get the people going. Do you steal? That's an interesting question. Of course I don't steal. Why would you ask that? Why would you think I might steal? But there are lots of ways to steal. Helping yourself to office supplies. Not declaring things on your taxes. Dishonest business tactics. Lots of things that maybe you can justify. Maybe you can justify them to yourself. Maybe you can justify them to your buddies. And your buddies are all in the, yeah, yeah. And, and there's, because your buddies say, yeah, that's a good idea and want to hop on it. Therefore, it must be a good thing. Uh, you can say cheating is part of the game. As long as you don't get caught, it's not cheating. I've played those games. Here's the thing about it. That thing that you decided was okay, people see it. And even though you've decided it is okay, they're judging you by a stricter standard of what they're basing on what you actually said. I'm thinking, you know, just, just a fun story. The first time my poor wife ever played Monopoly with me, <laughs> she didn't know how I'd been raised. And to me, this was part of the game. It was just her, me, and my dad playing Monopoly. We weren't married. She married me anyway. It's her fault. She, she, she knew what she was getting into. And every time she landed on St. Charles Place, I said 10 bucks. And every time she landed on St. Charles Place, she paid me 10 bucks. The problem was she owned St. Charles Place. <laughs> and, and, in my, and, and I remember my dad giving me the look. And I smiled at him. I felt so smart. <laughs> And eventually she figured out, and I found out she didn't think it was as funny as I did. <laughs> we're, we're playing Monopoly these days with Lorraine, and she loves the game. And I have to work so hard to be good because I'm Papa, and I have to be good. But it's hard because other people may look at the thing that you have decided is okay. They may not see it as okay. They're going to look at you based on the standard of what you said. He goes on from stealing. He goes, do you commit adultery? Some do outright. Many more find other ways to entertain that kind of thing, that kind of thought life. But if you strongly condemn sexual sin in one area while you're committing sexual sin in another? You see the distinction and you justify yourself and excuse yourself, but that guy out there who says, who heard what you said about Jesus Christ and he sees you doing that thing, he's he's not letting you off the hook the same way you are. And, And here's the thing, he's not merely saying, oh, you're not valid. He's writing off the whole thing. The name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. It's a statement. It's not a question at the end. People see your hypocrisy. 
you find way you you blind yourself to your hypocrisy because you say, well, yeah, but I I I and I this is what I do, and I I go this far and I do that thing, and people see that. Then he says, do you rob temples? And that's that's kind of an odd one. Uh, it's like rob temples. The, you know, and this is one where you run to your sources, and most of them, most in fact, I looked at three that said, I don't know what this is about. <laughs> I'm going, wow, I like that. Honest people writing commentaries. That's, re- that's really good. Uh, one idea is that Jews would think it was just fine to go in and rob things from the temple because the temple was built to something that's not a god. Therefore, they're not actually stealing from anybody, and they're just helping themselves to what's been free and left, finders keepers kind of thing. Uh, and that's really a, a possibility. The funny thing is, is I picture when, when I read that robbing temples, I'm sorry, my mind goes to Indiana Jones. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and the start of the very first Indiana Jones movie where he steals whatever that is, he steals from in that cave in that temple. And then, then he's, you know, first of all, he survives all the booby traps. And then he's running and all the natives are chasing him. Okay. He's saying, cool, I finally got this thing that I've been hunting. And they're saying, hey, Give us back our thing. You, he, he's, he's thinking he's, he's going to take it and give it to the museum, and it's what a great accomplishment. They're saying, you stole that from us. I, I don't know what that means. Uh, I think at a minimum, we can say, do you treat followers of false gods with respect? That, that, yeah, it, it's, it's like they're, they're, their God is nothing, doesn't mean anything, he has no power on you. But, but as human beings... Maybe they still need to be treated with respect. Do we demand our rights as Christians while being willing to deny the rights of others? In Sunday school, we're going through church history, and an interesting thing happened. We're, we're just to the point uh, of 313 A.D. Constantine is, is, is the emperor, and he takes Christianity from being a religion that is persecuted to being a, Christian, uh, a religion that is legitimate. And it will soon transform from a tr- religion that is legitimate to a religion that is dominant. And do you know what Christianity started doing when it became dominant? It started persecuting other religions. You go, wait a minute. And then it went on and started persecuting Christians of other stripes. <laughs> you go, wow, wow. Uh, that's, that's not what it's supposed to When we talk about this whole freedom of religion thing, there's a lot of good reason for it. Uh, and that's the reasoning behind it, is that we need to respect others with the same rights that we expect ourselves and to not condemn others even if they're wrong uh, in their beliefs. But he comes down to verse 23, he says, do you dishonor God? You who boast in the law, we go back up there to the top where it says, you who rely on the law and boast in God. Now he says, now you who boast in the law, we're coming back. So we have, we have really, really, really good reasons for boasting in God. I mean, it's like, they're, they're, it, however well we understand him, we don't understand his glory enough. Uh, going back again to what Annie shared and what, what Jeff quoted for us in, in, in Hebrew. You know, one of the small things about that, speaking about the creatures around, it says they have, they have eyes. They're covered with eyes everywhere. You know, that, that, that can imply a lot of things, but what do they call out? They call out holy, holy, holy. They look out everywhere and they see clearly and their response to everything is God is holy. Holy, we don't see all. We have two eyes, right? And they're, and they're faulty and they're limited. And I wear glasses with bifocals, right? Because my eyes, I cannot see that. They see everything and the response is, we don't see enough to understand and properly appreciate the holiness of God and, and the, the, how amazing he is. 
If you who do all those things, do you dishonor God? And this is the heart of this whole thing. Do you do what you do for God? If you speak for God but live for yourselves, if your version of God is a God that you can manipulate to make life better for you in, in different ways, uh, then there's a problem with that. All those things you're listed say you're living for yourself while you're claiming God. And, and if you, you didn't have the God claims, then at least you, you'd be leaving God out of it. But once you drag God into it and you're walking through the mud, you're dragging him through the mud. The scripture reading we had today said, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed. The Holy Spirit is sealed to you. You are sealed. If you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. He is given to you as a pledge of the redemption that is to come. You walk along with the Holy Spirit, and everywhere you go, he goes with you, and everything you do, he does with you. And if you're dragging him places where he doesn't want to go, then you are grieving the Holy Spirit. You are dragging God with this passage, the way I'm doing it, God, name of God is blasphemed. You're dragging God's name through the mud. Do you dishonor God? If you left God out of it, it would be better. As it is, you're making him look bad. And so we get verse 24. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, just as it is written. Now, this is written in the book of Isaiah. And he's talking about the nation of Judah and how they're living and how, and, and, and how, how badly they're living and how the name of God is being made to look good, bad at that time because of them. And now, uh, 700 years after that, Paul is writing it to the church in Rome, saying, and believers are still doing the same thing. Last week, I talked about logical syllogisms. If A is true and B is true, then C is a reasonable conclusion. Today's is a, a logical syllogism as we look at these three. If you call yourself a Christian and you live contrary to Christian teaching, uh, then you are it's, it's like it doesn't follow as logically with the words, but then you are causing people to blaspheme, blaspheme the name of God because they hear what you say and they see what you do. People judge God based on what God's people do. It's, 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 it's that complicated and it's that simple. So pay attention to how you live your life because it matters more than just for you. It matters for other people. People are affected by you. You say, well, I don't want them to be. I don't want to, I'm not standing up in front. I don't want them to be affected by me. I want, leave me out of this. I just want to mind my own business. It's impossible. Unless you drive home from here, go into a cave and stay in your cave till next Sunday and drive out. It's impossible. You can't. You are a testimony to people who see you and you can't help but be. So be a good testimony. I just want to, as I wrap this up, say once again, put this in context of where it, where it belongs, okay? This, this, this is in the passage where, where, first of all, Romans chapter 1, the world is sinners. Romans number 2, religious people are sinners. We all need Jesus, and we cannot be good enough. And, and this is the context that we have here. This is not just a message to condemn people. Uh, it's, it's not the purpose. It's a message to show people that without Jesus Christ, they are condemned. And so we need Jesus Christ. And being religious and having the law is not enough, and in fact, it makes us worse off. If we, if we are religious and have the law but don't have Jesus Christ, we're worse off than we were before. Based on what we see here, it may make us, where I say that, uh, our hope is not in us, it is in Jesus. And, and 
as we go through the book of Romans, you're not going to be able to escape this. You say, Steve, you know we're the same people. <laughs> you don't need to keep telling us to get saved. The answer is, yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. If you have not trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you're somehow thinking you've got it covered because you're close enough, Pastor Smith, back at First Baptist, used to say, half saved and wholly lost. <laughs> you can't partway make it. Jesus Christ saves you or he doesn't. And you are saved by what he did for you or you're not. And, and there's no other way about it. If you have not trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I encourage you to do that. Don't trust yourself. Father God, I thank you for your word that you give us. That you, Father, I thank you that you don't let us hide. That you don't let us get half saved but you follow us and pursue us and let us know when we're falling short. And Father, anybody here who is trusting in their works or their actions, their failed attempts at righteousness, but has not trusted you as their Savior, that you will convict them and make them aware of that and turn them to you, that today will be a day of salvation. I ask in Jesus' name.